It is Thursday, the 20th of January here in the UK. We're counting that as one year of Joe Biden, who, of course, was inaugurated on the 20th of January as presidents are uh, last year. Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent, joins me this morning. Simon, um, good to talk. We, we count this here as one year of Biden. Where do you want to start? Well, I mean, he counts it as a year of Joe Biden as well, and that's why he held uh, this news conference here tonight, uh, which is going to go down in the annals of presidential history as the longest presidential press conference uh, since records uh, began. It it clocked in at just shy of two hours. And I think there will be many observers who argue that the president uh, perhaps would have uh, benefited himself by uh, quitting a little bit earlier while he was still ahead. I mean, this was a president who came into the room absolutely underwater in opinion polls on every major issue uh, besetting the nation and whose response to the opinion polls was, I don't believe them. Uh, and who insisted in the early stage of his press conference that he didn't uh, under he didn't overpromise and underperform over the course of the last year, but he simply insisted uh, that uh, he'd run into the buzzsaw of opposition collectively uh, from the Republicans, and also that the American public don't fully understand the scale of the achievements that he's notched up. Take a listen to this excerpt from the press conference. I didn't overpromise. And what I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. I did not anticipate that there would be such a stalwart effort to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get anything done. Think about this. What are Republicans for? What are they for? Name me one thing they're for. And so... The problem here is that I think what's happens, what I have to do in the, in the change in, in the tactic, if you will, I have to make clear to the American people what we are for. We've passed a lot. We've passed a lot of things that people don't even understand what's all that's in it, understandably. American people overwhelmingly agree with me on prescription drugs. They overwhelmingly agree with me on the cost of education. They overwhelmingly agree with me on early education. They overwhelm and go on the list on, on, on child care. And so we just have to make the case what we're for and what the other team's not for. It is a fascinating answer because Mm. it suggests that President Biden is embracing this idea that what his White House has got is a messaging problem as opposed to an underachievement problem. It's not clear to me why he would have underestimated Republican opposition to him, given that they were implacably opposed to the Obama administration when he was vice president for eight years. But also, of course, in that answer, he doesn't even concede that one of the biggest problems he's got is not with the Republicans at all. It's with members of his own party. I I think this might be to oversimplify things, but it does sometimes seem, Simon, from this side of the pond, that everything was basically fine for Biden until Afghanistan, and then afterwards everything was basically terrible because of the way that withdrawal happened. Firstly, is that an oversimplification? Well, I think it is a bit of an oversimplification. I mean, there's no question that August of last year was a turning point with that botched military Mm. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and we heard a full-throated defence of his decision to withdraw from Afghanistan during the course of this press conference. He was already facing some difficulty. Remember, this is the president who uh, declared independence from the pandemic on July the 4th uh, and invited a 1,000 people 
people to the uh, south lawn of the White House to celebrate America's independence from the pandemic on Independence Day. They didn't even have to bring their own booze. They weren't breaking any restrictions or lockdown regulations in the United States. You know, it yeah, was party yeah, on yeah. at the White House. And the reality, of course, has not chimed with that. He wanted to put COVID-19 in America's rearview mirror. And, of course, uh, very much America is uh, absolutely still dealing with it. He said uh, during the course of this press conference that COVID-19 was the new enemy. Uh, he said that he's not uh, believing that the country is yet ready to embrace a new normal, but instead finds itself facing a job not yet finished. And uh, casting forward to a year from now, he said mm. that he hoped that by then there wouldn't still be uh, up to 40 million Americans who are unvaccinated uh, against the pandemic. But the reality is his pleas to those vaccine refuseniks to take advantage uh, of the vaccines that are available continues to fall on deaf ears. And that continues to be a massive problem for him because it's creating ongoing economic difficulties. The country's yes. seeing, as you are in the UK, highest inflation rates for, for four decades. And that is further stymieing his ability to turn things around and put his presidency back on a, pro a positive trajectory. Now, Biden would already have to significantly defy political gravity to hold Congress in November. The Senate is on a knife edge. It's a 50-50 split. The House of Representatives, there's not much of a majority there. It seems likely and probably would have seemed possible, at least in any circumstance, that uh, a governing party in the White House would expect to lose one or both houses come November. That seems very, very likely with this president, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's, uh, from where we stand at the moment, I think almost inevitable. Is it fixable? I mean, well, I mean, that, that depends on circumstances that to some extent are beyond his control. He uh, conceded tonight that in order to get his Build Back Better initiative passed through Congress, he's abandoning uh, efforts to do it in one fell swoop and instead is going to break the bill down into its constituent parts because he believes that he can get some of those passed, including all of the climate change provisions. Remember, he went to COP26 and made all sorts of promises uh, on behalf of the United States about climate change, none of which he's been able to deliver upon because he's got difficulties within his own Democratic Party caucus uh, on Capitol Hill. So if he breaks those down into individual bits and in the time available, and that's the critical issue, uh, can get them passed, then that, I think, might help him. But he seems to think that if he just hits the road, and he said this multiple times during the press conference, he needs to get out there and look Americans in the eye. He thinks that he spent too much time in Washington. Um, you know, he's been out there quite a lot over the course of the last few weeks. It's not clear to me that the force of Joe Biden's personality is necessarily sufficient to turn things around here, uh, but he certainly seems determined to try and give it a go. Well, we sit here on the 20th of January 2022, but inevitably, it, it's always election season in America, leaving aside the midterms, we've got one eye on 2024, haven't we? The next presidential election. And you might have imagined a scenario in which Joe Biden would have been president for two or three years uh, and then at a time of his choosing felt, actually, I've done what I came here to do. I'm handing over now to my very, very, very popular vice president, Kamala Harris. The problem with that, I guess, is that the vice president is not very, very popular. 
No, the vice president is even more unpopular than Joe Biden. At one point, Kamala Harris's approval ratings fell to 28% a few weeks ago. That is the lowest approval rating for any vice president uh, in recorded history. Now, he said tonight at this press conference uh, that absolutely he's running for re-election in 2024 and absolutely she will be alongside him as his running mate because he believes that she's doing a good job. There are all sorts of very well-sourced reports from inside the White House about tremendous tension in the relationship between the president and the vice president. She's said to be deeply frustrated uh, with the issues that she's been asked to spearhead by him, which is odd because she's been asked to spearhead some pretty big and important issues, mm. including uh, the president's, uh, the, the administration's response to the voting rights issue and the threat to democracy uh, that the president says Donald Trump and his fellow Republicans uh, are, are um, uh, symbolize uh, she's said to feel as though she's not been properly used we've seen a large number of members of her staff departing her office is said to be extremely dysfunctional but were he to say okay I'm not going to run for another term in office um, there would unquestionably be primary challengers who sought to compete with her to secure uh, the party's presidential nomination, and one of them might succeed. I don't think uh, it is at all guaranteed that her popularity within the party is sufficient for her necessarily to think that she can be uh, the standard bearer if Joe Biden doesn't right. seek another term in office. But the logic of all of that, I suppose, if, if you're a Democratic Party supporter, you might be thinking, we need a fresh ticket. We need someone who isn't Joe Biden at the top of the ticket and someone who isn't Kamala Harris at the bottom yeah. of the ticket. And we also don't need Kamala Harris at the top of the ticket. So um, is, is that a possibility, a totally fresh pair going into the election? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, of course, it's a possibility. I yes. mean, first of yes. all, as Joe Biden himself has observed, you know, he is a great believer in fate. And, uh, you know, who, who knows what is going to occur uh, over the course uh, of the remaining period that he has during this first term uh, in office. But I think an enormous amount hinges on these November midterm elections. They are going to be a referendum on Joe Biden's presidency. The White House can't deny that. We all know that. Uh, and if indeed he finds himself saddled with Republican majorities in both the Senate and the House of Representatives, he will be absolutely neutered. He will be the lamest of lame ducks in the White House that we've seen. Uh, and at that point, I think there will be pressure on him uh, to decide whether he really thinks he's got the capacity and the energy uh, to get through another presidential campaign and lead the Democratic Party to victory. So I think that conversation Mm. will be aflame after the November elections, if indeed the Republicans triumph. And as we've discussed before, he's not Bill Clinton, the comeback kid after the 1994 disastrous midterms. He's not Barack Obama after the shellacking that Obama described he got in the, his first midterms because of his age. That's why he's not in the position of those two uh, former presidents who were able to stage huge recoveries. Yeah, I think because of his age, but I also think because of this issue of 
underperformance and the failure to deliver. He now has massive problems with core Democratic Party constituencies. First of all, African-American voters. We saw on Martin Luther King Day here on Monday an array of civil rights leaders led by members of Martin Luther King's own family excoriating Joe Biden and the White House for not having done enough earlier in his presidency to get this voting rights legislation through Congress. Young voters are deserting Joe Biden in droves because he's failed to make good on promises that he made on the campaign trail to alleviate student debt, which is a massive problem for college graduates here in the United States. They, they spend, you know, decades paying off their student loans. Uh, the president pledged that he was going to do something about it. He's done nothing about it. And as a result, young voters are fleeing him. So it is not at all clear, uh, couple that with, with his age and questions about uh, his levels of energy and his ability to withstand another campaign, it's far from clear that he would be able to, as he claimed tonight, get people to stand in queues for long hours to support him again in 2024 unless he does something between now and then dramatically to turn things around. Simon, we could get into a conversation about who might end up on that ticket for the Democrats, but I rather fear if we do, then we're going to crash into Steve Allen, and, and that wouldn't be a popular <laughs> programming choice, I suspect. But be uh, very interesting. We could do it off-air. I'm sure we will. Simon, thank you very much. Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent.